0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Reality First. As always, we are here to bring you real stories, real facts, and our real opinions. I'm your host, Artis. Thank you for joining us. This week on the show, El Chapo has escaped prison twice. Can he pull off the trifecta? Colin Kaepernick finally defeats the big bad NFL. Or did he? We discuss the shaking my head moment of the week, and Chris invites you into his corner. Plus, we are joined by a special guest to discuss the ongoing Gucci controversy, and Bill Cosby says he is not sorry, and deserves to be character MLK, Gandhi, and others. Now, with me as always, Mr. Instagram himself, the man with the million nicknames, Mr. Chris. How's it going, my brother? What's going on, man? How's everything going? Everything is going well, my brother. Uh, I know yeah, you're out of town this week. Yeah, man. How's the All-Star Game weekend treating you, man?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I got up here a little late last night, but, you know, this is really like my first time being in Charlotte, I guess you can say. Um, came up here when I was like maybe, what, three or four, but I don't really remember. So this is really my first official time up here in Charlotte. I mean, I like the city. Um, downtown was definitely um, nice last night. It reminds me of a smaller Atlanta, but, um, yeah, I mean, city's nice. Um I wish the weather could be a tad bit nicer, but yeah, man, I'm enjoying it so far. Always ready to get back to Atlanta, though, man. Miss
0: Atlanta, so yeah, man. Well, how's everything going with you? Everything is going well, sir. Hopefully, uh, when you when you travel back uh, home, you'll get there safely, my brother. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the love. <laughs> well, um, just to jump right in, man. Of course, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, Mister. <laughs> El Chapo is uh, supposedly going to prison for the rest of his life. And, of course, he's escaped twice already from two high-security Mexican prisons. So um, they're, they're sending him to the Supermax prison in Florence, Colorado. Um, and it is known for the Alcatraz, known as the Alcatraz of the Rockies because it's so um, remote and so protected. So do you think that he uh, can pull the 3 feet my brother? Well, um, honestly um he has proven it twice
1: that he can escape um i really don't think that this is just him doing it by himself mm-hmm. though um ain't it's, it's no possible way he's doing it by himself um I feel like he has people helping him on the inside people that are loyal to him or people that are just influenced by the almighty dollar and who he is so they are definitely helping him out um I really hope that he doesn't escape. I really wish he would just serve his time. But with this track record, I definitely feel like they need to put, you know, 24-hour watch on him at all times, <laughs> like everything that he's doing. Because, I mean, hey, he done did it twice, and he did it successfully. He had a – I think he had a motorcycle or a little scooter thing. Yeah, a motorcycle. The yeah, second time. Yep. So I don't even know how he got the motorcycle on the ground. That's just beyond me. But – yeah, I think they need to watch him um, 24 hours th- periodically just to make sure he's not planning nothing. But, again, I don't think this is him by himself, man. This Absolutely. Has to have, he, he has to have some type of help from the outside. has to.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, back in 2001, they smoked him out through a uh, laundry basket. And then, of course, back in 2015, the most famous escape was when he uh, slipped through a hatch beneath a shower and drove a motorcycle, as you mentioned, through a mile-long tunnel. That was dug underground. So, say this one was last time. So,
1: if a laundry basket, if I'm a guard and I can't tell that, why do they even have laundry baskets in prison anyway? Hold on, am I lost?
0: Can someone explain Uh, that
1: part to me? Well, (laughs) what a laundry
0: basket? Well, yeah, I mean they do have the they do have to uh, have the linen and stuff up and change. I would assume they would. You know the the uniforms and all that stuff.
1: Well, I, I guess I do understand that. I I just trying to figure out how is a human being hiding in a laundry basket and and nobody just looked. That's not a part of what he has going on, and nobody just looked to say. What what is up with oh, this laundry basket? Like what's going on here?
0: Dude, you're like, talking about somebody you're talking about somebody who probably paid off every single person. He probably owned that jail. Let's uh, that prison, let's be honest. But he probably paid off every single person in there. And when it comes down to a kingpin who if you think about it, man, they 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 thrive off of fear. So if you don't look the other way, I'm going to kill you and your family. Uh you going to look the other way true i i
1: definitely agree with that um i definitely feel like you know when it comes down to when you put putting it in that regards people will are are going to be fearful i can imagine he might have threatened to kill their families and stuff so a lot of these people that helped him out are in tough positions in tough predicaments but you know at the end of the day um i feel like the law is law justice is justice <laughs> and you know i'm still baffled by this whole I'm still baffled by this whole laundry basket situation. But to your point, I definitely hope that they do, you know, keep him um in there because, you know, he has proven to be um quite the criminal when he's out and stuff. So, yeah, I definitely hope that he doesn't escape. But, yeah, they just need to keep a close check on the laundry
0: baskets from now on.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> this one right
0: here, uh, this prison here ha- is, is uh, two hours south of De- Denver. Um, it's surrounded by razor wire fences, gun towers, armed patrol guards, and attack dogs. Um, and it was it's previously been called a high- tech version of hell. Um, they pretty much have uh, so prisoners spend a lot of times years in solitary confinement. Um, they can go days without anybody speaking to them. Um, and also, although they do have access to a television, they're only like they only have like a four inch uh, window and you know, uh, around their cell that way they, they can't even see like what part of the jail they're in, what part of the prison they're even in. Um, a lot of times they eat like all their meals in solitude and solitary. Um, and apparently they're in solitude for over 23 hours, most days. So apparently they're, they're claiming this from escape proof. Well,
1: yeah, man, like I said, I just hope he doesn't get out. Um, I mean, with his track record though. Um, I think it might be um, safe for everyone to put extra precautions
0: in with him. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think it's best if he's if he actually does serve out this life term. Um, and of course, you know, you do have the, the, the threat and the possibility of violence you know, toward the people who convicted him. You know how the cartels and the mobs normally work. But hopefully that won't that won't happen this time. And, you know, he can just serve out his time in peace and just, you know, just be a not no longer be a threat to society. Yep, yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. We'll just see how it plays out. All right, man. Well, the next thing uh that I wanted to go over with you was uh so Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed um have ended their uh collusion lawsuit with the NFL um, to settle out of court for an undisposed amount. Mm-hmm. Um there's talks that uh, there's talks that it could have been around $90 million, uh, which is a crazy you know, amount to get in a lump sum like that. Um, so what do you think about that? So I definitely um, briefly
1: read over the, the topic or whatever. Um, honestly, I think it's sad because Kaepernick is so talented. You you really want to see him play. He's only about, oh, what, 29, 30. So I definitely feel like, you know, as far as that goes, I definitely feel like he want to keep playing and he definitely could be you know he's definitely better than some quarterbacks out here but i mean i am glad that he won the lawsuit because what they did to him um blackballing him out the nfl where nobody wanted to hire him and bring him on i definitely feel like that that was not you know the situation was just him expressing how he felt about cultural issues that were going on in society so you you shouldn't blackball you know, a person for believing what they, you know, what they, what they stand for. Um, And then this is his job. So this is like him putting food on his family table and, you know, him, you know, providing for himself and others. So just to blackball somebody, you know, over them standing up for what they believe in, I just feel like it was just total, you know, it was just uncalled for. Um, They really elevated the situation higher than what it needed to be. But I'm glad that he won the lawsuit. But I definitely feel like he would rather be out on the field than going through all this.
0: Okay, so so you're clearly of the mindset that Kaepernick got, you know, uh, got one over on the NFL then, basically, um, by, by getting that lump sum.
1: I wouldn't say he got one over, but I'm glad that he won. But I mean for ninety mil, I mean, if I'm just thinking about it and I'm just thinking, like, I'm pretty sure he could have got a max contract for even higher on a on a team somewhere for at least five or six years. So I mean, I, I'm glad that he won. I mean, I don't I'm not sure if he got one over on the NFL though.
0: I can't say that. This is how I feel, man. I think with this uh announcement that there was an agreement made and that the lawsuit, you know, comes uh, came to an end. I think that the NFL won, man. I really do. I don't think that Colin Kaepernick did uh, what he set out to do. I mean, he probably got exhausted with the whole thing. and It probably didn't seem like it was going to go anywhere. But I'm honestly of the mindset that, unfortunately, with this, uh, Colin Kaepernick did not win. And here's why. In a time where people are getting jobs and filling roster spots that clearly, you know, that you can argue whether or not they deserve it, such as – the most recent one was Kareem Hunt after his, um, you know, the violence, the, the domestic violence uh, with that young female. The lawsuit that Colin Kaepernick had was starting to gain traction. More people getting roster spots that, you know, did or did not deserve it, you know, according to public opinion. And more, it was it was pretty much gaining legs and traction that obviously the, the, the there was something going on that was keeping him out of the game. So, at the, at, with that in mind, I think the timing of this coming to an end just is, it works out great for the NFL because this was a time where there was rumors of different details possibly coming out about uh, you know text messages or conversations with NFL owners and executives you know talking about uh, not hiring Colin uh, not signing Colin Kaepernick not letting him get a, another job another chance in the NFL and this is the time that he chooses to end it all, I really think that basically they, the NFL got away with, uh, you know, by, by paying this money, yeah, it's a lot of money to us, but it's really not a whole lot to so them. They make, they're making, you know, billions of dollars per year. Um, I definitely think that they are able to dodge, in a sense, um, you know, a lot of these details and stuff like that coming out in court and, uh, and a lot of that stuff, you know, coming to public light and really shining a whole different light on the uh, the NFL and the way that they actually do business and the way that they actually communicate and collude to keep people out of the, off the field. Hmm, hmm. So, with, well, so with that I means mean, I
1: think he lost. I mean, I definitely feel like I definitely you know understand the facts and and the statements and stuff. The NFL definitely probably won this, but I see it as almost like a um you may have won the battle, but we won the war type of situation with this, right? So basically. He did, you know, win, you know, the lawsuit or whatever. But I mean, the greater cause is almost that, you know, an African American quarterback won his lawsuit with the NFL, so to speak. In in my opinion. Almost like and this probably gonna sound bad, but probably when O J you know, <laughs> won his won his case. OJ did that, it, <laughs> and and know, yeah, and but the African American community community was so happy that a black man won a case in court over the police. It was crazy. It was history. Now that we have a black athlete that we all know should have been playing that had got blackballed out the NFL won his case is almost sort of similar you know not not similar but it's almost sort of similar that you know the black man won you know against you know corporate America type situation but you know in in regards to what you have brought out Yes, he didn't win, but to us as a community, we' gonna still feel like he won, and that we are progressing in steps of you know equal rights for everybody and what they believe and stand in but I definitely agree with what you say, but to me, I feel like it's sort of like you know we we may have lost the battle, but we won the war, he may not be playing, but we won in the courtroom, and he's gonna get paid, and we can just hope that he you know Find himself back in another field sooner than later. Well, so. well, keep
0: in mind now he did this actually didn't go to court. This actually was settled outside of it. But okay, to, gotcha. but I but I think you know the whole point of this lawsuit, or at least what we were led to believe, was to expose you know the the hypocrisy of the NFL and to expose like you know, a, a corrupt organization, you know, that is, that is uh, blackballing players for standing up for what's right and things like that. Uh, and, and, pr- and pretty much to prove that there was collusion, that there was a uh, conspiracy of sorts um, to keep him out of uh, keep calling Kaepernick from playing. Now with this being settled outside of court, that pretty much no uh, pretty much uh, uh, deems that null and void that that whole um, disposition um, because again, it didn't. It, it never actually went to court. It never actually had a chance to be litigated. It never had a chance to really grow legs and, and, and you know, take on that, uh, take on like, like we normally see those cases go. But to me, the only way, um, I know you say, uh, you know, it seems that Colin Kaepernick, you know, won the war. The only way he wins this war is if he ends up on a team. That's the only way.
1: I, I definitely agree, you know, uh, and, you know, with him, I definitely feel like that, you know, He's glad that he's won. But deep down inside, as an athlete, you work so hard to play high school, to play college ball, and make it to the league. He definitely wants to be playing out there on the field. He definitely want to be out there on the field, man. So I definitely hope that he get back on the field. And, um, yeah, man, he gets signed to a team because he's too far talented, and he's still young, and he still, you know, he still can contribute to a team in some form or fashion. So I definitely hope that he, he make it on the team, man, soon. All right, so
0: now it's time for the shaking my head moment of the week. (laughs) (laughs) So a New York man, uh, Ruel Altunaga, if I said that correctly, um, at the end of last month is, uh, well, he's facing criminal mischief charges for something that he did last month. So broke into a lingerie store. He broke the front window of a lingerie store with a cinder block. Uh, would you happen to... Would you would you, you want to guess why he did this?
1: Um, It was an ex in there that he saw and he really wanted to get back with her.
0: No. So, very <laughs> close, sir. <laughs> so, uh, he broke into this store because he wanted to attack a mannequin of Barack Obama. What? So... <laughs> Uh, According to to the people that were there, um, the the quote that came out was, all we heard was glass shattering, so we're looking around like, what's going on? At first, we thought one of the mannequins fell through the window, so all of us ran outside, and we didn't see anybody until we went to the window and saw a cinder block. Okay, so it wasn't a mannequin. Someone obviously threw it. So we started looking around to see who could it be, and then we saw a man pacing back and forth. So apparently, uh, the reason that he broke this window is because he saw a mannequin of Barack Obama standing next to a mannequin of uh, President Donald Trump. Now, the Barack Obama mannequin was dressed as a uh, prince, was dressed like like a prince, and President Trump was dressed up as a princess wearing a uh, Make America Great Again hat. So, uh, apparently, the way he, the reason he did it was because he said that uh, he was a, he's a Trump supporter, and obviously uh, obviously right (laughs) and he hated Obama and Obama ruined the country that was his quote now the reason that he said that he did this was because he did not like what the mannequin was saying to him so apparently Barack Obama's mannequin was speaking to him and said something that really you know uh, peed him off and so he decided to attack the mannequin so
1: psychological help is needed in this situation Um, this is definitely, I mean, he, he, I don't mind you having an opinion, but to break a windshield of a established business over a mannequin that's dressed as a prince. Um, yeah, I think that's a little bit too far, but I don't mind you having an opinion and speaking your opinion, but this is, this is just outright. Like this is, this is just outright crazy. Like this makes absolutely Zero sense. Why would you attack a mannequin out of every, out of everything that you could have been, been attacking? I mean, this is really a shaking my head moment of the week because over a mannequin, you really got down outraged
0: over yes. a mannequin?
1: That's, that's, that's he, stupid. He didn't
0: like that's what the mannequin was saying to him.
1: That's that's stupid. And I mean, again, we all have been in situations and cases where we have seen something or maybe on TV and a magazine or something that had just really just outraged us or or made us just mad to the point where we want to do something crazy. But you still have to be in control of your actions and you still have to be an adult at the end of the day. Everybody may have differences, but. You know, I still respect you as an adult, just like you should respect my me as an adult. And I respect your opinion as a person and a human being. So I definitely, you know, disagree with that. Definitely is a shaking my head moment. But I mean, I'm not surprised. There's so much stupid stuff going on out here. I'm I'm just not surprised no more at what happens.
0: Well, I know you're very concerned. So um, just to ease you and, uh, and just ease your worries. The Trump statue was not harmed. The Trump mannequin was not harmed at all. And so he he's fine, um, but apparently oh. the people the people there were able to catch the guy. They uh, sent their loss prevention personnel. and They all uh, surrounded him and held him until the police got there. Um, so again, uh, I don't know where to even like where does that where did you even get this stuff from, man? Like this is this is just crazy to me. But you know, again, he uh, he said he didn't like what Barack Obama was saying to him, the mannequin. So uh, he had to take action. So. So, mannequins talk
1: now? Did yes, they, did they, they put, put Did they put something like a battery or something that he said something that was inappropriate or whatever?
0: Yes, that is correct, sir. Okay. You are correct. Uh, I, so, don't, I wasn't there yes. for the conversation, so I don't know what was said. But, you know, you've you, you never been in the mall and, and those mannequins just reach out to you and just start talking to you? Hey,
1: man, no, I never had that experience, man. And I hope to God I don't. But, uh, yeah, man, hey, man, to each his own. But this is definitely stupid and Outrageous, but I mean,
0: hey man, to eat your own, man, to eat your own—that's well, how I feel about it. Well, hopefully next time he attacks mannequins, hopefully he'll go about it more subtly, uh, and he won't get you know arrested and charged. Uh, I would recommend maybe a rope next time—you can lasso it, you know. And then, you know <laughs> just keep it quiet. Go for the stealth approach. Uh definitely, I definitely agree, man. I definitely <laughs> agree with you, man. Definitely I, agree. <laughs> All right, man. Well, of course, next we have uh, Chris's corner. Uh, so what do you have for us this week, sir?
1: Well, artists, I'm not really sure if you're familiar with what's going on in Atlanta. Um, as far as like, you know, um, I guess I'm gonna talk a little bit on the health and awareness side, but I ran across an article, um, and I'm just going to give you the title and then just talk about it. Atlanta, Atlanta's HIV academic compared to third world African countries. Oh boy. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) So, basically, Atlanta is basically like one of, let me see if I can find it. Atlanta is definitely um, now has bumped up to number one city of having um, the most, I guess, AIDS rates um, that has increased. So now the number is one in every fifty person is now affected in Atlanta with HIV. Oh, excuse me, one out of every fifty one person is um affected and and with the HIV epidemic ec- ec- or whatever. Um, the HIV epidemic is definitely the greatest. They're trying to say that downtown Atlanta is now being compared to Zimbabwe. Oh,
0: jeez. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said downtown Atlanta is uh, is as bad as Zimbabwe or Harare or the, the ban. I'm probably messed up those <laughs> words, but I think we all get where it's coming from. Um, And it is not just mainly gay men or drug users as it was in the late 80s. But now it has affected the majority of the African-American um, race or the community I should say in Atlanta that has limited access to healthcare um, artists I mean with this man all I can say is everyone out there that is sexual active need to be careful and they need to go get tested you know every, every, every three months I think you should get it tested every three months or something like that three minutes but,
0: seems like around here
1: yeah I mean that's true but everyone needs to know their status because you know this is this is crazy, they're comparing us to African countries now, the city of Atlanta to African countries, so that means like definitely one in every fifty one person could be affected, and a lot of people are scared to go get there um to know their status when it comes <laughs> to health wise but i mean wow this this is this is this is just scary man you don't this is get that so positive this this is scary, man, because you don't want to walk around here not know your status and then be one of the ones that's affected. And then you're, you know, steady having relations with several people. This is, this is crazy, but to the point of the African-American community that couldn't can't afford healthcare. I mean, a lot of African-Americans out here don't even, you know, have jobs, but they're not even educated on, you know, why they should go get, you know, health, uh, health checkups or go get checked up and stuff like that um because they don't really have money to go get checkups and stuff they don't have jobs so it kind of saddens me that it's the african-american community but i mean we need to do more as a people to make people more aware of what's going on and the situations of what's going on and we need to do more as a community to try to put a stop to this epidemic as a whole
0: well uh i agree um basically seems like Atlanta's turning into the new Sodom and Gomorrah. Basically. Um, I mean, for us basically. to get to I mean one in fifty, that that's scary. That's yeah, it is scary. I mean think scary. about the I mean, people you, you cross paths with on a on a daily basis, weekly basis. I mean, that's that's actually that's actually a lot of people, man, uh that, you know, could possibly be affected by this. But, you know, again, it's not really surprising though if you really look at the way that a lot of people carry themselves, the way that a lot of people you know, really, really conduct themselves. I mean, a lot of people just are about the immediate satisfaction, uh, you know, the physical satisfaction. They're not really taking into the, into context, uh, you know, the, the precautions that you should take. And, you know, they really don't know a lot of their partners, you know, honestly, when it comes down to it. And there's that's really just a chance that you're taking every single time that you're laying down with somebody. And, you know, for it to be spreading at this rate, I mean, it is, that is crazy, man.
1: That's that is crazy. But I mean to the to the to the effect um to the effect of what I'm saying is a lot of people don't really know about the epidemic because we're not educated in the school system. They don't really teach like sex ed and stuff like that in the school system. So they don't we don't really know about all this stuff. We're not really privy to all this information. So therefore, it starts in the schools. Like we need more teachers and stuff. We need to go back to the days where we could be privileged or the days where we knew about, you know, what teachers taught about, you know, sex education, they taught you about, you know, the, the consequences and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, feel like, you know, it's sad, but you definitely do have to know, you have to know your partner and, you know, you have to be safe. So
0: yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. You have to be careful out here, man. I agree. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily just the responsibility of the school system to educate our kids and our young adults and this kind of thing. Because if you think about it, man, a lot of those behaviors, a lot of those um, patterns are really cultivated in the home, you know, to start out with. Because a lot of people see their moms, you know, with with a different man every week. A lot of people see their dads with a different partner every week. A lot of people don't know, you know, uh, as far as condoms and stuff like that. You know, you don't have a lot of parents sitting down telling their kids. You know, be careful. Make sure if you are going to have sex, make sure you're taking all the precautions and making it as safe as possible. You don't really have a lot of that going on. And I mean, I definitely think that we should that sex ed should be a little bit more in depth. But at the same time, I mean, I don't really think it's necessarily just their responsibilities because, you know, all that kind of stuff starts in the home. Uh, you know that. And, and honestly, a lot of people just really don't get that. Uh, just don't get that information.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, hey man, um, you need to know your status, man. You need to know your status.
0: Well, um, Red Cross and things like that. You know, a lot of times they do have the uh, the free. A lot of times they will, you know, give that information out in for free, and you can get the the test done uh, in different places and stuff like that. So I definitely think people should, you know, take that into consideration and just know their their status and get those answers. And you know, until we get more educated on it, until we actually decide to make a stand on that and make that our priority, then, you know, it's not, it's not going to get any better. Um, Unfortunately, it's only going to get worse. So hopefully, you know, people will start getting more um, knowledgeable of the whole situation and just decide to take a stand and just do something about it. I agree, man. I agree. And now introducing our guest. She is the chief executive storyteller at 40 day writer, LLC, the author of how to to write an ebook in 40 days or less, among other works. Singer, songwriter, actress, graphic designer, and she's relentlessly positive. Miss Brandi Miller, welcome to the show. Well,
2: thank you guys for having me. It's exciting uh, to be here.
0: Wonderful. We're excited to have you. You're our first uh, official guest, so um, we're, you know, we're <laughs> happy to have you.
1: Thank you so much, Brandi. Welcome oh, to the show.
0: First, Thank you. <laughs> so tell the people a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, my first name's a liquor and my last name's a beer, and I'm not sure that you'd ever want to mix those two together. To be perfectly honest,
0: <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs>
2: Have you ever thought about that? I mean, brandy and Miller—I'm not sure that they really go together. <laughs> yeah, I don't—I
0: don't think that's a good combo.
2: The only way I could see it working is maybe if you had a peach brandy and an apple beer, maybe then. But Miller oh, does. Oh
1: man, that's, that's a, a good combination. I need—I need to try that at the next um house. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I didn't start out that way, though. I didn't start out Brandy Miller. I started out Brandy Spooner. So I guess that means I was born with BS as my initials. I was so smart. I was so smart. I came out with a BS. BS and BS. BS and BS. Yeah. Well, you know, when when you have a BS as your initials, there's really only about three things you can become: Um, con artist and politician. And you know, that's just a legal con artist. And then <laughs> you know there's a way. Uh,
1: Brandy, you are a hilarious lady. I'm glad we
2: brought you on the show. <laughs> I try. I try. I'm not just funny looking. I work hard at being funny.
0: <laughs> well, you do a very good job. So tell uh, Thank what you, about, you. what exactly is 40 Day Writer LLC?
2: Uh, it's my company where I help people get their books out of their heads and onto the page and out into the world. Cool. And that's what I do for a living, so. Well,
0: that's pretty cool. So, uh, you yeah,
2: I call you myself know. a character whisperer. It's not my job really to tell a story. It's more my job to reveal the story. It's like you peel back the layers of who people present themselves to the world as, and then you help them show who they really are.
0: Mm, okay, that's pretty good. So, um, what was the inspiration behind your How to Write an Ebook book in 40 Days of Less?
2: money actually <laughs> well, <there you> go.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well actually my, my husband and I had a business at the time and we we were terrible at getting leads and marketing because at the time I didn't know anything about marketing and I didn't know anything about sales I just knew how to do the work I knew how to do and so then That's I was searching on the internet and I was looking for you know programs that might be able to help me and this guy had a program called how to get rich and how to get Let's see, getting rich with ebooks. That's what it was. Getting rich with ebooks, for the record I never did. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I bought the program and he's like, well, you know, write a book about something you know, right? And I figured, okay, well, I don't know how to do anything beyond writing the book, but by golly, I've written four of them. So I know how to get past that part.
0: <laughs> well, I mean you gotta start somewhere, right?
2: Exactly. So I figured I'd just <laughs> I learned about writing a book. And of course that led me then, to in the course of the book, I advised people that if they didn't have a writers group already, they should join one because that's advice that I'd gotten from somebody who was a writer, and I thought it was good advice. Except I'd never taken it, and then I published the book and I sat down and I thought, "Wow, you just gave people advice you've never taken. <laughs> how, how great is that?" Right. So then. I- <laughs> So then I started a writer's group. And this is this should be a lesson to people. A lot of people write books and they'll give you good advice that they've never taken themselves, so they don't know how well it's gonna work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean their own advice before they give it to you.
0: Right, exactly. That's usually how it goes,
2: right? Exactly. So I started a writer's group there where I was living in Elko. And Elko was a county that is or a city that is four hours to the west of Salt Lake City. Four hours to the south of Twin Falls, five hours to the east of Reno, and eight hours to the north of Las Vegas. So if you've never heard of it, it's okay, because most people haven't. It's like one of those gasoline station stops on your way to San Francisco from Salt Lake. You just kind of drive right through it, huh? Uh-huh, exactly, pretty much. But it's a great little town. And so I started a writer's group there, because there wasn't one. And I started with five people, and I discovered that there were about 75 different writers that lived in that county. Yeah, I mean, so well, uh, there, there are seven things that are legal to do in a small town, six of them if you're under 21, or if you're under 18. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not a lot going on in any small
1: town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: uh, I mean, that's actually really, that's, that's I'm sure you were surprised to know that it was that many people already uh, writing and stuff, though.
2: Well, like I said, there's not a lot else to do. <laughs> well, you know, normally
0: people like take up other hobbies, you
2: know, you don't really...
0: I mean, Um, isn't normally
2: the go-to, right? uh, You know what, though? They read a lot. So when you're a reader, writing is a natural outcome.
0: That's very true. That's very, very true.
2: You know, if you read a lot, you think in terms of writing. People who don't read a lot don't think that way. But people who read a lot, we think in terms of print.
0: Well, speaking of people who don't read a lot, that actually uh, runs right into our next thing. So... I'm sure you're familiar with the um, with the Gucci boycott or, or whatever that's going oh, on. Oh yeah, right?
2: yeah, I got you.
0: yeah. So, what do you think about Floyd Mayweather, and Mr. Uh, Mr. Academics himself, um, saying that he, you know, he he refuses to be a follower. He will never support, you know, a boycott of Gucci because he loves the brand so much. And then his uh, his protege, Mr. Adrian Brunner, coming out saying pretty much the same thing. What do you think about that?
2: I think he probably is being honest. I mean, he's never going to support it. the boycott not because he necessarily doesn't care about what they did, but because he probably just doesn't want to take the time to invest in it. True. So you, so
1: yeah, Brenda. So you said he's—he's
2: he's, well. You saying he's being honest? I think he's being honest about it. I mean, he's okay. not going to support the boycott because he's not going to put the energy into it.
0: True and. Okay. So do you think, uh, So, what do you think about the whole boycott to begin with?
2: I think that boycotts can be effective. You know, it, There can be an effective way of making a statement. Um, so you know, if you're offended by what happened, you should have a statement. You should stand up for what you believe. Stand up awesome. and okay. make a statement. And I don't think people exercise enough their right to do so. You
1: know, Got vote you. with your pocketbook Got you now brandy, Come. like with that being said, you know, um do you really feel like we as a, a, a mm. African American community, should we feel offended by him not really participating in a boycott that clearly offended all of us as a culture or should we just go along with his opinion and still? support him, you know, as a boxer and support his, you know, when he does stuff and stuff like that? How do you think we should handle
0: that?
2: I think that really depends on what you see. Do you see this as him rejecting the, the Black community and saying that he's not going to stand up for them? Because if so, that's a big statement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you should pay attention to it yeah yeah I and you see that as I'm just not that invested in the outrage, then maybe maybe not, maybe you don't let it affect you
1: yeah yeah i definitely I definitely agree with what you're saying. I guess it depends on the person and you know how you really feel about the the opinion of what's going on um I guess for me personally um just the whole gucci thing honestly i I grew up in um I grew up in a, a, I guess, a mid-class, like, you know, middle-class, you know, type of family. You know, Uh, when I got up and, you know, got up in age and started working, going to college and making money, I never really knew about Gucci. I really honestly just bought my first Gucci belt maybe, like, five months ago. I I didn't even know anything about Gucci like that. So, I mean, basically, for me personally— I definitely feel like it's an attack because, um, as an African American male, you know, you um, you look up to people, and with him and his presence, you know, um, being a a boxer, um, one of the greatest boxers possibly that can go down in history, for him to make those type of comments, I definitely was offended by it because on the platform that he has, he has the platform and the ability to do something big and, and and stand up for what's right, almost like a Colin Kaepernick situation. He used his platform, and, you know, we all know what happened with that situation. But I feel like Floyd is almost, you know, almost just seems like he just really don't care about what's going on because he's just being selfish right now um he has all the money he can do whatever he wants so you know he feels like you know it's just a sweater it's just a brand it doesn't really affect us when it does affect us as a people what they was trying to portray does affect us as a people so I guess for me personally I guess I took a little offense to it because it just seemed like he didn't even care what was going on
2: yeah and you you know you have a legitimate claim right? I mean, he is, whether he wants to be or not, in a leadership position. And as a leader, what he says matters. Mm -hmm. It affects everybody in the community. And this is the thing that I think people don't realize is that we've gotten to the point where we think, well, what I do doesn't matter. What I do just affects me and everybody who claims to be affected by it should just shut up and sit down. Mm -hmm. But your actions always affect your community. If I do something that goes out and, and hurts somebody else, it's representative of my entire community, whether I want it to be or not.
0: Yeah, I agree. And see this, and my issue with the whole thing was, um, he, you know, he, he says it's just a sweater and I agree. It is just a sweater, but, uh, two things that I have. It isn't, two, it isn't. Well, exactly. And that's my thing. It's a, it's more of a symbol, you know, uh, I mean, it could, have, it could have been a sweater representing anything else just happened to that. And then also, this is a person who, when he his you know, his domestic, that he was reaching out to the black community, telling everybody to support him. You know, they're trying to take a brother down. You know, you can't let him do this to one of your people. And then as soon as there's any kind of a, you know, a social issue or a civil issue when it comes to, you know, the black community, he's the first one to always turn around and say, oh, I'm not a leader. I'm not a follower. I'm a leader. You know, I don't, I don't have to support, you know, this boycott or whatever. He, you know, this is, this is a pattern for him. So... To me, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't, I just think that's a little bit of hypocrisy to
2: me. Well, Well, it is. That flat out is. If you want support from your community when you're in trouble and your community is upset and hurt and you're not taking a stand for them, then it just shows that you're not standing up for your people. You're all about you. Exactly.
0: And then as soon as he's getting ready to sell a fight. You know, as soon as he's trying to make his $100 million or whatever, like he said, he got a fight in July for $10 million coming up. He's going to promote on Instagram. He's going to promote everywhere he knows his people will be. But as soon as there's a social justice type of issue going on, then he's going to be nowhere to be found again.
1: Well, artists artists, I have a problem with that because what's going to happen is we're going to do what we always do. People are going to support him. And I feel like that as a community, that is a problem. We always say we're not going to support someone We always say we're not going to, you know, support this one or that one. But all of a sudden, I bet when he has his fight, everybody's going to be at bars, lounges and everything just to see his fight supporting him. Again, I think we talked about this the last show. I feel like as a community, I feel like sometimes we can be a little hypocritical ourselves because we always say we're not going to support. We're not going to do this and that. But then when time comes to really stand up and put the foot down, what do we do? We do the opposite of what we say. So I really feel like a lot of these people know that, you know, I feel like Floyd know that what he said offended us, but he really don't care because he know when time for him to fight, he know that we're going to support him. So I feel like at the end of the day, until we put our foot down as a community, Again, like I said on the last show, what happens when all of the African-American players stop playing ball, football, basketball, or whatever? What happens when we stop shopping in these certain shops or whatever? What happens when we really take a stand as a community and show people we're not playing but we're tired of what's going on? I think a lot of stuff will change, but we're not because a lot of people are used to the lavish lifestyle, the lavish clothing line, the lavish—you know—the the big things in life such as Gucci and Gucci and all that other stuff. I mean, with people, a lot of people are used to that, so they don't want to change up.
0: Yeah, but let's be honest. Let's, as far as Gucci is concerned, they're not going to take much
2: of a hit from if the black people stop shopping there. Let's be honest. But go ahead, bring Well, my thing is okay. I think personally what's going on here is a little bit bigger than that. Okay. The reason that anybody cares about buying Gucci or Prada is why, why do they care? Because of the name, right? Because it represents status. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think, and this is me having sat down and thought through why race relations are the way they are and why things impact us so differently. And, do they impact us that differently? And I don't really think they do when you get to the bottom core of things. But anyway, I think that for so long that the black community was locked out of everything and treated as the lowest rung of the status ladder, that their ability now to claim status items like Gucci and Prada has become, in a sense, a rebel flag for them. Right. Like, Mm. okay, like I'm worthy of having these things. And you can't take them away from me. Oh, so hmm. when you want to introduce a boycott. They're not willing to get on board. Because it would mean giving up that status. It would mean. I can't buy that anymore. I can't have that thing that. Other people had. Right. And my status is going to be impacted. And they're not willing to give up the status symbol. Oh, because sexy. they're afraid of being put back down. On the bottom of the rung. The problem is their status never came from those things. See, those, those status, we've been taught that status is what you buy or what you have or what degrees and titles you have. But that's not where status comes from. True. Those are the after impacts of where you claim your real status. Your real status comes from service to others. Right. The reason Floyd right. Mayweather has an audience is because, in a sense, he's serving people. I may not agree with how he serves them. But he entertains them, and they see that service, and they value that service, and they pay for that service. Right. Okay. Mm. So that's where his money comes from, is the status he's developed from serving other people. You don't need Gucci and Prada to get status. You need to step up and serve.
1: Mm. It's true. Good point. Good point. I, I, I like that. That's, that's a good point, Brandy, for real. So, and I mean, I as a people...
2: I'm, time, the community that you guys have was denied recognition of your mm-hmm. status. And so they're not going to let go easily of those status symbols because they know what they mean, but they don't know why they mean it.
1: So, Brandy, as a people, you know, how do we make a statement to you know, I guess the world that we are, you know, um I guess what am I trying to say? We're equal, just like everyone else. We can buy Gucci or buy product, just like everyone else. If we when you, decide if to Gucci
2: and product, when you can walk away from them, I've mm-hmm. made that statement. Yeah, I agree. You can that. say I don't need you to give me what I already own.
1: Got you got gotcha. you i think that's real big i i definitely like the way that you hit on status and, and talked about that because you know going back to a younger generation if we look at a younger generation a lot of these kids want to be like the rappers, they want to be like the athletes they want to be like the actors and actresses because of what they see that's portrayed on television mm-hmm. which is status right so mm-hmm. You know, when they see them wearing Gucci and Prada, they want to go to the mall and they want to get it and this and that. When, you know, you hit that, you hit it right on the on the head, like you don't need all that stuff. You can be, um, and I think a lot of people in our communities are scared to be individuals. They want to follow the trends, but they're scared to be individuals. They're scared to be different. They're scared to oh, do what, what makes them
2: different. different. They got punished for standing out. Mm-hmm. Why would they want to stand out? See, this is the thing that people don't understand. When you are born to be a leader, and I firmly believe that the people in the African-American community were born to be leaders, you will go through hell in your childhood. I mean, just straight, flat hell. And you will never fit in. You will want to, but you won't. And the reason for that is that because... If you blend in as a leader, who can find you? For a leader to be able to lead, you have to stand out.
0: That's true. That's true.
2: People have to be able to find you. But if you're not doing that, if you're trying too hard to blend in, then the, the very people that need you most will never be able to find you. Gosh. don't understand that when we're kids, and so we carry that shame. And that guilt and that feeling of rejection with us into our adulthood and we don't want anything to do with anything that causes us to stand out because we don't want to be rejected and when you stand out you are in a sense being rejected a, a certain group of people will never accept you and you have to accept that and be okay with that otherwise you'll never be able to leave
1: Come. Okay. Wow, Brandy, 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 you are definitely on point with that. You definitely on point. You are definitely on point with that, Artists? I mean, I don't have much to say.
0: She really, Brandy, you really spoke. You know a lot of what I was thinking, but I don't think I was able to articulate it quite as well as you did. Um, I definitely agree with everything you just said. Um, I just think it's you know one of those things where it's gonna it's gonna be. We have, to, we have to get to a point where we will be willing to sacrifice our entertainment and our comfort, you know, to stand up for something that yes. we quote unquote believe in. And I think that's what you so far. Do,
2: in my estimation, you know, is that you're going to have to find the courage that it takes to reject society's definition of status right. and to create your own and to stand for it and to say, you know what, I'm, I don't need these to be worth something. I am worth something. Agreed. my existence is worth something. Because the truth is we all, life is a giant jigsaw puzzle and every person has a piece of that puzzle that we need. Okay. Now, some people are corner pieces and it's very easy for them to figure out where they belong because, you know, they've got the two straight edges and, the, and then the rest of the crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then some people are the side and they have one straight corner and then the rest of the crazy. Right. And, but it's easier for them. Right, Those people have an easier time. The rest of us are those crazy centerpieces that just you're thinking to yourself, what were these people thinking when they made me? <laughs> I don't get
0: it. <laughs> <Right>.
2: <laughs> it's not until we, we connect to the right community. That we start to figure out, "Oh, that's why I am the way I am. And then you start making sense and then you start realizing that you are critical to holding the other pieces together. If you didn't have exactly what you were born with, you couldn't fit in that place. And the pieces around you wouldn't connect together because you weren't there to be it. When we start realizing that we each have value and that we're each necessary and needed, we'll stop treating each other like we don't belong.
1: Wow. It's all about unity. Unity is definitely key. Everyone has to help each other out. We, We all have to hold each other responsible but we we need each other more than we think again that goes back that goes back to you know the individual mindset like a lot of people just think as individuals and they don't understand that we all need each other in some form or fashion I don't care what color you are where, what gender you are we all need each other and mm-hmm. we you know that's just that's just what it boils down to we all need each other and we all need to start supporting each other and helping each other out I definitely agree
2: yeah. Well, and I think one of the things about this whole Gucci thing is I just wonder how much of this was orchestrated specifically to hit home and create more division. How much of this was done specifically to create division?
1: Well, I mean, I like when I first heard about the story and, you know, I read up on it, Brandon, my thing is, as a marketing team for these companies, I'm sure you have to get the final okay before you can produce <laughs> the product out to the world. Who in their right mind voted and thought that this was a good idea. This is going to be our next big thing to sell. This should be $850. I mean... Yeah,
0: that was a, that was who, a travesty who, to the price.
1: Who... I really feel like they need to fire they, they their marketing president, honestly, because this should not have even gotten past the. Oh, you know, I agree. I, I don't okay. even know. I don't even know how this got past the president of marketing for Gucci, or or the president, or the product, or or relationship, the PR people. How did this even get across? as oh yeah this is okay everybody's going to like this well Chris, how did this get across well like i said last week, I,
2: I agree with you because you're you're assuming though that this decision was made as a business money-making decision and what i'm stopping and taking a look at is was there an agenda behind the agenda you know what i'm saying exactly mm-hmm. was That's there something else driving them other than money was there a purpose behind that sweater that had nothing to do with business
0: i agree like i said last but week outrage sales
2: no, really, you're exactly right outrage outrage doesn't just sell though outrage does something else outrage politi- politically manipulates people true mm, mm, outrage-, not- outrage like that when when you specifically target a sore area that you know is going to You know for a fact that this is not going to go over well, right? I mean, you have to know that Uh, unless you're, like, a teenager who's completely unaware of the whole blackface issue. And that's the only person I could think that might be dopey enough to put that out there. But Gucci is a sophisticated company with many, many people in charge who are sophisticated enough to realize that blackface is an offensive thing and why it's offensive. So this is not an uneducated people making a simple, innocent mistake. This was a targeted intentional act. The question is, why? Why would you do it? You can't be motivated by getting more money. Obviously, that's not going to sell. He, they had to take it down. So they knew that. But what else could you be motivated by if you're not motivated by the money? What are you trying to get? And... no. no. That,
1: I guess my my next question would be: I wonder how did they automatically snatch it off the market when they uh when they found out yeah. that, that people were outright, Did they automatically?
0: Oh yeah, they took, the
2: yeah they
1: took oh, took it down. Yeah, they definitely took it down. Okay, okay, because I, I was just wondering,
2: like you know, <laughs> they probably donated it to to. Uh, Places, but they did take it off for sale.
1: They they should have burnt, burnt it every last so, one that was made. Burnt, burnt. You would think
2: they would, but you know the tax write offs, right? um
1: <laughs> <laughs> Got you, got you, got you, got you, got you. I I, I definitely I definitely agree. I definitely if agree. If I, were, I,
2: if I were a person going into a Goodwill and I found that, I wouldn't want to touch it with a ten foot pole.
0: <laughs> you
2: that and you're not gonna be a fan club. You know, you're not gonna be attracting a fan club wherever you wear that thing.
0: Okay. That is definitely
2: true. Yeah. That's that's um, definitely true. My thing too is look at who they put it on. They could have put it on a black model. Did they choose a black model? No, they didn't. They chose a white, blonde, blue-eyed woman.
1: It was a reason. It was I'm a hidden There's there, there there something a head more, more
2: a, here than business going on than just a bad business decision this is something else I don't at all think this was an accident I think this was very purposeful what I don't understand yet fully is the purpose
1: I think eventually it will come out later on maybe or you know they may keep it up on the but I definitely feel like eventually it may come out later on after the issue has you know died down a tad bit
2: it may or may not. People's memories are short. You know, apparently we have the attention span that's less than a nat. Like according to Microsoft, they did a test and we have like eight second attention spans these days, which is less than a Nat. I sad to say.
1: <laughs> oh wow. I never knew that.
2: <laughs> well, I think T V has trained our brain to pay attention for like very short bursts. Cause you know, we know our next commercial break is coming.
1: that's true that's true wow
2: Um, yeah So my thing is this is not this was not a decision made with a business purpose in mind because if you're a business owner being a business owner i would never do anything intentionally to piss off the maximum number of people possible
1: (laughs) this is true this is true i just wonder is is as African-Americans, I'm pretty sure we're not the top people who support Gucci. I'm pretty sure that's not the case, right? I don't know.
2: Because think about it. Like I said, they may not, you, you guys may not have been the original top target, mm-hmm. but I don't think you play a small part in their revenue. Because, you know, the saddest thing, going back to the saddest thing, um think about how many times somebody will pay $200 for a pair of Nike shoes when they can't put food on the table but the status is more important to them than the food in the belly like the perception is important and they know this and I think they use it
1: wow that's definitely
0: true that's definitely true that's that's definitely true I agree <laughs> So, as I mentioned before, Mr. William H. Cosby says that he has no remorse for his uh, his actions, his his convictions. He says he would never have remorse, and he actually called himself a political prisoner. Um, and he compared himself to the likes of MLK, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Randall Robinson, and Benjamin Chavez. Uh, so, what do y'all yeah. think about that? So he says he's a, he says he's a cultural icon and a civil rights leader. What did I think about
2: that? Well, he is claiming that he is innocent, which if you read the full context, that is why he says he has Correct. no remorse. Now, that unfortunate sense of uh, unfortunate choice of wording, if you are actually innocent, the better wording would have been, you know, I feel for the women who have been hurt and their pain, but I am not guilty. Right. To say you have no remorse actually indicates not only. Even if you're innocent, to say you have no remorse isn't really appropriate because, in a sense, that says I have no remorse for the way right, you feel.
1: Exactly.
2: I have no sorrow, no guilt, no shame for the way you feel now. And maybe these women, maybe he's not guilty. I mean, we do live in a country where we promise that you're guilty and or innocent that you're guilty until proven innocent. Well, that's for the way it is right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> promise. The promise is you're innocent until proven guilty. and no, um, to work. Of course, he's been convicted. So, in a sense, he was proven guilty of one crime. Right. But then we have the issue of miscarriages of justice. We know those happen. So, guilty doesn't always mean guilty. Correct. And so, you know, that's a tough one, though, because if he's truly innocent, you know, he deserves to be given the benefit of the doubt. But... So does she, you know? <laughs> and when there's 60 people that accuse, you tend to, you know, take a look at the numbers and wonder, if, you know, maybe there isn't some fire where there was smoke.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. comes I, I, you know, Chris and I had a while back, you know, saying that he was completely innocent or whatever. I don't think all 60 are necessarily telling the truth because you do always have those bandwagon jumpers when it comes to stuff like that. But it's hard for me to believe that zero out of 60 you don't have any, any truth in
2: that. And the problem is, though, when you're looking at whether somebody, or not is, if somebody is guilty of sexual assault or not, in a sense, one of the things you do have to look at is what is the cost to the women in coming forward and what is the benefit to them in coming forward? True. Huh. Okay. The benefit to them is to get celebrity status automatically. Right the benefit to them is to potentially get a portion of his estate. The benefit to them is to get attention and name recognition. Okay. So when you have those three variables involved, it's hard to say they have no motivation to come forward and say it. Correct. So then that automatically kind of, I don't want to say that it biases me, but I will say that it taps the brakes for me.
0: That's correct. I agree.
2: Because it's it's a situation where, and I'm speaking, not not all women will feel the same way. Some women believe you should consider every woman innocent, period. But I've known too many women who have used sexual assault claims to destroy a man. And so I'm not so quick. To jump on the she, he must be guilty bandwagon. Right. I think, in fact, our society in general right now is way too quick to say if a woman says it, he must have done it. I'm sorry, women are perfectly capable of lying just like everybody <laughs> <Absolutely>. else is. <laughs> and believe me, when I was younger, I was an accomplished liar, so I know all oh, about wow. that.
1: Uh oh, uh <laughs> oh,
2: uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. 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 Uh-oh, <laughs> Well, no, I never accused a man falsely of sexual assault. I was molested when I was a child. So I also have some, you know, knowledge of how these things work. Um, So it's really difficult to sit there and say it's a he said, she said thing. Right. And because there's nobody else present for the event. So unless you have hard evidence, it's hard to say who's telling the truth and who's not. But in his case, I think that his, even if he were innocent, let's say that his, he's completely innocent. He's been, he's truly a political prisoner because he was standing up and saying, and he says it, he says that he was, he was unpopular because he was calling the black community to entrepreneurship instead of dependency on the government. And that is not something that will not make at him all. popular. <laughs> Quite the opposite, actually. Exactly. Because the truth is that if the black community stood up and became entrepreneurs, instead of, um, working for other people's dreams, well, what would happen to all those corporations that right now are relying on African-American labor to get by? Mm. Well, wow. they would true. <laughs> Might fold. True. You
0: know, I just thought it was, I just thought it was kind of interesting that he used, uh, Benjamin Chavez is someone to compare himself to, considering that this was a person who huh. who was also ac- accused of sexual harassment and discrimination more than two decades ago, and that led to uh, him being ousted as the executive director of the NAACP. So I thought that well, was kind of I thought that was kind of uh, kind of weird that he that he would use that particular person. Um, but it, but but you know, actually, as as demented as he is, I do think that there is a little bit of truth in what he said, as far as him being um, a cultural icon, because you know. Regardless of his growing up, I
2: mean, I, I he was he was a dad I would right. have loved to have had, at, at least you know, watching the Cosbys that's anyway. That's, that's you know, true. I mean, I didn't have a dad in my life, so that was uh, watching the Cosby show was like getting a peer inside of a world where there was a healthy relationship between mom and dad instead of you know, psycho and and you know, psychiatric right. patient. Um, and which was the, the ringside circuits in my house. Well, my parents actually literally met in a psychiatric ward. That is not a joke. I oh, wish wow. it were. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, my mom apparently missed the class that the clinic is not the best place to pick up dates. Um, <laughs> was,
1: she, was she on Tinder or, or P.O.F. or something
0: like that?
2: Was, no god the tinder wasn't even a thing man <laughs> this was 1975 okay 74 actually. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no there wasn't even a single man no she was the ward secretary he was a patient gotcha. she knew what he had i guess she just decided that love could fix love it conquers
1: <laughs> all, love conquers all
2: Uh, Well, apparently not, because love lasted all of three and a half years before
0: they got a divorce. Oh, Lord. I guess that one was years.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Well, anyway, um, so going back to the Bill Cosby thing, though, it's one of those things where, you know, watching him on TV, you know, the way that he treated Claire in the TV show, the respect that they had for one another. You know, the way that they cherished one another. It wasn't even just a respect that was cold. It was it was clear that they not only cherished one another, but that they loved one another. Right. In a sense, word, right? And, you know, Claire was herself um, a professional. You know, she she was more than his equal. You know, it wasn't a situation where she was, by any sense of the means, you would not call her an impressed woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know she she owned her power and she knew her power and she was not afraid of her power that's
0: very true and, that's very true yeah.
2: you know and so those two were role models for me of how i wanted my future relationships Right to you know brandon and no go ahead go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no i definitely brandon i definitely
1: <laughs> agree with you um bill cosby And the whole, you know, television, you know, the Cosby show was definitely so influential on everyone, not even just the African-American community, but just for everyone. It was so influential. But it is it's just so strange to me. Um, I guess talking about this story, you know, I guess first things for me is just his statements just made it seem like he just really just don't care about what has happened to the women or how this has affected him on one side of the coin and and again it goes back to what we talked about as leaders in our community you know everything that you do on this platform is going to affect millions of people and when this first came out you know this was like a big huge effect to the african-american community because you know he was just so influential to a lot of people this is what you would want your dad to be, or this is how you would want to be a dad, you know, and coming from you, Brandy, that, that really, you know, means that he was not only influential in the African-American community, but in a community, like he was just like that dad figure that you would want. You know, I grew up in, in a home without, you know, my dad, you know, so I definitely, you know, know how it was for me just to watch him and uncle Phil and um uh, the dad from good times those are like the three top dads that everybody just wanted their dad to be like like they was like the perfect example so for me to see a statement like this from him saying that he really don't care and then compare himself to other pioneers in the community you know it, it kind of like just made me just look at him a little different but you know on the other side of the coin you know, all 60 of those women could, couldn't, you know, be telling the truth about this. Like, some of them were lying just to try to get popularity and gain something from this. But, you know, I definitely feel like, you know, you shouldn't make comments that could affect the public like this. Like, you shouldn't you should make comments like that. He should have just said, I'm sorry for what has happened. And, you know, just look like what you said, Brandon. I'm sorry for what has happened. And, you know, Um, I'm sorry for the impact that it has had on these women and their families and just left it at that. Or, you know, the golden rule, like mama always said, if you have nothing good to say, then don't say nothing at all. He could have just said no comment and just left it at that. But this type of comment just make me sort of feel and look as if Bill Cosby was guilty on, on some of these issues. Uh,
2: actually, the the comment, no remorse comment actually makes me lean toward the fact that he probably yeah, did do yeah, something.
0: Exactly. I, I agree. Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> Absolutely.
2: It wouldn't surprise me because Hollywood's environment is that way. Okay, man, if That's you look true. at all the, the dominoes that have fallen in the recent years, you know that that was pretty well accessible for sexual assault. Yep. The men yeah, f- talked about how he did the claim. F- and, for, and the women felt Obligated, Like the only way for them to get up and egghead yep. was to, to go ahead and do those things. And so, in a sense, in proper context, that sexual assault that he may have been guilty of, that he was convicted of, would have fit right in with that. And, you know, actors, what are actors? I joke that there are only two socially acceptable forms of crazy in our society. The first is writers, and we get paid to put our multiple vo- put the multiple voices in our head on paper for other people's entertainment. And as long as we're good at our job, nobody minds, nobody sits in a padded room. And the other one are actors, and they get paid to put the multiple personalities on stage for you. Agreed.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Okay.
2: So Bill Cosby's acting of Dr. Huxtable was probably a legit part of him. I mean, that is part of who he is. That's why he's able to act that way.
0: So well, yeah.
2: Okay, but on the other hand, there's darker sides to every person. And one of the things you learn as a writer is if you want to be really good, you better get in touch with the villain that lives in you because we all have one. true. Mm-hmm. You better touch them and you better know them.
1: Wow. Got you. I never even heard that one, but that makes sense. All,
2: we all have inner villains, right? I mean, the only way you, you keep the inner villain from, from doing the wrong thing is to acknowledge that it is a villain. And every villain part of you will tell you, I'm doing this for the greater good. <laughs> <That's> the very <laughs> part about a villain is the difference between the hero and the villain isn't their goals or their motivations. They, their goals and their motivations may be completely the same, but it's who they're willing to sacrifice yep. to get what they want. Exactly. The hero will sacrifice themselves. The villain will sacrifice anybody else Everybody that's in their way.
1: He'll. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, in a sense... You know, he may well believe that he is like these other people, that he did all this for the greater good, that he didn't do anything wrong. Every I mean, the prisons are full of people who clearly <laughs> did something wrong.
0: Everybody's innocent.
2: Uh, Al Capone <laughs> would have told you he was a faithful public servant she... and had done nothing wrong, despite that trail of bodies he left.
0: <laughs> Manson, Charles Manson. True.
2: Okay, well, Charles Manson was a different case. Charles Manson actually recognized his villainy and didn't care.
0: Yeah, just like Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. He got to that denial stage.
2: Yeah, Charles Manson fully acknowledged that he was a villain. He just didn't care. <laughs> he didn't want to be anything else.
0: That's very true. And people definitely,
2: he lost his heart of desire right. to be good.
0: Definitely, people definitely react to that villain in different ways and embrace it in different ways.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> Charles Manson's going to get confronted with the results of, you know, choosing to play a villain your whole life and meaning it. It's true.
0: <coughs> well, I mean, I, I, I guess we'll just have to see how the whole thing with Bill Cosby plays out. But I mean, I definitely think that you made some very good points on yeah, I mean, how, he, how his mindset is. I
2: think yeah, he, his response was very not wise, even if he is innocent as he believes he is his response was the stupidest thing he could have said. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that choice of words was just yeah. very questionable. Exactly.
2: It was the stupidest thing he could have said because it implies that he doesn't care about those women at all.
0: Right. And even if you're innocent, you would, you would care about at and, least the impact that it had on those people.
2: Uh-huh, exactly. Well, it, you would care at least... Okay, you would say something more like, you know, these women are clearly troubled, you know? And I hope they get the help they need or something like that. You know, I'm sorry for the pain that they're going through. Something, you know, because to just say I've got no remorse, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well. That just, no. (laughs) (laughs) and. When you know, when you know that the media is going to look for anything that you say, could you have said anything stupid? Yeah, I,
0: just, I definitely. And for that to be a, a prepared statement that you list through your... Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, it, it, that you worked on this one? You worked to create this statement? I can see if you were caught off guard, you were just talking off right. the cuff, but oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, this is a, if that's a prepared statement, you need to go back to home <laughs> because <laughs> your preparation
0: smells <stays>. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Well, Brandy, I think Yeah, I thank exactly. You so much for joining us. Um, brandy. Hey, look, before we um before we let you go, hey, tell everybody how they can contact you and, and uh, connect with you.
2: Well, it's pretty okay. easy. Um if you go on Twitter, my Twitter handle is writer brandy. Okay. If you go on my website, it's writeyourbook.today. And, and then I'm all over Facebook. I'm like the Facebook queen. So my Facebook page is write your book for you. And then, uh, you know, you can just search for me and you'll find me. Perfect. I'm all over. <laughs> well, Perfect. Brandy, thank you so Perfect. much for
0: joining us. I really enjoyed your mindset today and your perspective on
2: hey. um, everything. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on and I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. And hopefully, you guys will keep on growing and keep on bringing reality first. Thank, thank you. So so we look forward
0: to, to probably have you on in the, in the future if you uh, would be cool with that. Yeah,
1: definitely. I'd love to. You got to do it again, Brian. You got to do it again.
0: Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> you just let All me right, know. Well, you,
1: you take care.
0: Well, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Um, I think it's time for us to go ahead and wrap up this evening. Um, Chris, you got any final words for the audience?
1: Go get tested, know your status, and. Yeah, man, be safe out there. If you're going to do anything, know your status, man. That's very important. You got to know your status. So please go get tested. Know your status. And uh, until next time, man, yeah, we out. All right, man, well, don't attack any mannequins before next time I talk to you.
0: I try not to, man. I will refrain from that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We'll talk to you next week again. You can follow Chris on Instagram at what is it, Chris?
1: Uh, Damn CJ Fine. D A M C J Fine. F I N E.
0: Follow me, man. Cool. Hey, I'm you no, you don't. And we can follow. You can follow the show at uh, Reality First Pod on Instagram. Uh, We do have a YouTube page And a Facebook coming soon We'll give you more information on that Um, But until then uh, Thank you guys for joining us And we'll talk to you next week Tally ho See y'all later